0: Today we are finishing up our series on relationships and uh, we're speaking to the fathers and we just felt it was good to put it right here in the series and want you to know that on Father's Day we are having Teen Challenge again at all of our campuses. Yes, so you don't want to miss that day. If you have not been a part of a Teen Challenge service, you are going to want to highlight that day, be here, and be prepared to bless them with an offering. They're part of our Kingdom Builders, and we want to bless them. I love it every time they come, and we've scheduled them again. Now, last week we talked to mothers, and it was uh, a joy to be able to do that on Mother's Day. Uh, It was a joy to be able to talk about my own mother and my wife, but they've assured me that they don't want the new names of Lois and Eunice. All right, so... You know, I want to be called that. Uh, but here's what I want to say. I made a statement during the sermon, and it was really kind of just, I just said it, and I just want to clarify and just continue to build on that. I talked about seeing the movie Unplanned with our family, and I said, hey, I'm pro-life, and I hope you are too. And uh, I just want to reiterate in light of all that's happening in America, the current legislation that's going across America, I want to reiterate our position as a church and our commitment to life. We are pro-life and pro-adoption as a church. We have, yeah, we are. We've always held the stance that all life is precious and it's valuable from conception to the grave. All life is precious. And we are grateful for the pro-life awakening that's happening in America through the advances in science and also through some legislation that is currently underway. Um, I'm praying that this leads to better laws. I'm praying that this leads to protection for all life. Uh, I want to let you know that our heart is saddened by the loss of life and, and there's full forgiveness for anyone that's had an abortion or been a part of this in any way. Grace covers all of us. I want you to know that. And we continue to pray for courage and wisdom for our elected leaders. And we stand in this moment, right now in time, offering our continued support for life. We value life as a church. So I said, yeah, we do, unashamedly. I said in there that we're pro-adoption, and I want to let you know that we support our staff with finances for adoption. We help support them as a a church. We also want you to know that we are for foster parenting. We understand that there are other children, and we have a KB foster care initiative. You may not realize this, but as part of Kingdom Builders this year, we have a foster care initiative. We we want to be pro-life, pro-adoption, pro-foster parent. And so if you are looking to be a foster parent, you could actually apply for a scholarship from. the church through Kingdom Builders, and uh, you could go to local at rivervalley.org, local at rivervalley.org, and you could just fill out that and get in there because we want to take care of children. We want to say that life is valuable, and we believe in foster parents. My own mom and dad uh, were foster parents to many, many, many girls. I sometimes say a 100. It was probably between 70 and a 100 different girls lived in our home as foster children, and so we uh, lived it, and we want you to live it as well. So now to the fathers. I want to say that um, I'm weighted towards uh, father-sons. I wish I had a daughter. I think I would have been a better dad. I really do. I would have been broke as well. (laughs) I would have spoiled her. I mean, we have one daughter, in law Michaela. She is uh, married to our son, Logan, and I thank God that her dad loves her, and I thank God that he's spoiled her, and now Logan can spoil her, all right? I love that, all right? But, and uh, you'll hear from both of our boys today, and I, I love that they get to help me in this message. Now, I, there is a crisis at home with fathers. I wanna let you know, all across America, one in four children live without a father in their home, and the effects are so damaging. I mean, you're more likely to have a behavioral problem if dad is gone. You're more likely to be in risk of poverty. You're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. You're more likely to face abuse. You're more likely to, have, uh, to abuse drugs and alcohol. You're more likely to go to prison to commit a crime, to be obese, to drop out of high school. You get the point. Dads are important. And there's something that's going on. Fathers make a huge difference in this life, and it's time for us to get it right as a church there's something to say. Now, if we're going to talk about fathers, I think we have to start with God the Father. And for some of you, it's a hard thing to think of God the Father. The Bible tells us, our Father, who art in heaven, you know, it's, he's our heavenly Father. And for some of you, you didn't have a great dad like I did. Every memory of my dad is smiling and good, and I, and I love it. I look through old pictures and I just smile. I miss him every day. I I tell you that your dad might have been angry. Your dad might not have shown affection. He might have loved his hobbies more than you. He might have rewarded you only for performance. He might have beaten you physically, and I'm just so saddened by this. He might have forgotten you. He might have never got to know you. You might not even know your father. I'm so sorry for that, and I want you to know God's not like that. God's not like that. God provides for you. He protects you. He encourages you. He comforts you. Yes, he disciplines us appropriately, and he leads us into the truth. He knows you. He loves you, and he desires to keep building a relationship with you. And we are encouraged to even call our Heavenly Father Abba Father. Now, we read it and we just don't use the word Abba so it doesn't hit us. But in Romans eight fifteen, it says this, so you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. It, 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 we get lost in this. We don't understand how endearing it is. And I was walking through the streets of Jerusalem and I heard a little boy running down the streets and he was yelling, Abba Abba, and, I, and it just for a second, I was like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to call my heavenly father, Abba Father. And, the, and then it just hit me. Like, and I watched this little boy yelling, Abba, Abba. And then his dad goes and picks him up. And I just got a whole new glimpse of my heavenly father. That little boy wasn't like, uh, Father, sir, Abba, Abba Father, you know. He was, Abba, he was like, where's my dad? Where's my father? And, and if you, that's the picture we have to see of our loving heavenly father, that's the example. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's love motivated him to send Jesus. He's our loving heavenly father. You, you think, well, what about those stories in the Old Testament? I think you've got to go back to Genesis and see how he walked with Adam and Eve, and he was in relationship with them, and his heart was love, and it is love. He's our loving heavenly father. I know the message translation says to call him Papa, Father. I can't get there. All right, Ava. all right, Ava. I know, I'm working on it, all right? But we've got to get this. We've got to understand this. Philip uh, Rikens said this. He said, America has now embarked on a foolhardy, foolhardy experiment to discover what happens to a culture in which nearly half of the children do not live with their fathers. One result is that many people do not know how to call God Father, nor do they want to. We've got to get this right. And if that's an issue for you, that's a blockage for you as we talk about fathers today, I pray you'd go to freedom ministry and say, how come this is happening to me? There's so much good that is there in this relationship with God the Father. I've got to be able to call him Father Father, and work to Abba Father. Now, lots of dads are in the Bible. Um, And I hate to say this, there's a lot of bad dads in the Bible. I mean, there's a lot of examples of dads that were just there okay? There were dads that were busy. There were dads that were warriors. There were dads that were successful. But they're just there. And the Bible shows their good side, their bad side. It's full of dads. It shows their lapses, their letdowns, their losses. It's there. It's all recorded for us. And um, I'm grateful for the, for the good stories that are there. There's are several things in the Old Testament that give us instruction, They give us instruction that are really to fathers and mothers, but with dads taking the lead and saying things to us about training our children in the ways they should go. In Ephesians 6, 4, it talks about this. I love that there's exact verses. This one's written right to dads. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's right there. There's scripture for us. There's examples. And we're going to look at that today and look at some of these examples and these things. There's so many things that are out there with the Word of God. There's resources. We are resource-rich. How many know that? There's no excuse to not parent in a strong way because we're so resource-rich. I found this. It was 52 things kids need from dad. And I didn't, I didn't read the whole book. I just quick looked at it. You know, how many, I go to that Amazon peek-in and I read the table of contents. I was like, that looks like one that I might want to get. But I saw the chapters, and it was like, I like some of these chapter titles. It said, help them beat the odds, and we've talked about that already. One of them was like, kneel by their bed praying. I agree with that. Another one says, catch them in a lie. I want to read that chapter. (laughs) But I think it's to catch them in a lie and tell them the truth, and tell them how much truth really matters to you. It says, tell them the hamster died. That's another one that caught my attention. All right. It says two words, wallet photos. So I guess the book is dated. I would say screensaver. Is your screensaver your family? It better be more than a golf course. Should be your family. Teach them to know the word. And then this is what I agree with. It says, dad, throw out your porn. I agree with that. It says, if you want to be a good dad, don't yell about spilled milk. Another thing it said, if you need to be the dancing partner to your daughter and the sparring partner with your son. These are some good titles. I, li- I could have preached this. Enforce the rules. I like this one too. Kiss your wife in the kitchen all over the house. Kitch- kiss her everywhere. All right. And then this one I didn't like. It said, quit golf. I didn't like that chapter. <laughs> but I will say this. When our kids were young, my wife said this. Becca said, you know what? You can golf Monday through Friday. You can golf from 5 a.m. until 5 p.m. all you want, but you can't golf Saturday and Sunday, and you can't golf at night because that's time with the kids. All right. Good rule. That's why I became a morning person. All right. And and the last one was respect mom. And I thought that was great advice. Great advice. And uh, I remember this. One time I said to my dad, I said, do you know what she said? And he goes, she who? I was like, "Uh, mom. He said, you don't call her she. You say mom. You say mom. You don't call her she. That is my wife. That is your mother. You will call her mom. I was like, do you know what queen mother mom magnificent (laughs) said? Okay. So, I had respect for mom. So, there's two dads in the Bible. We're going to hear about them today from my two sons. And I want to introduce my two boys to you. And I will let you know that I put them on the spot. I said, Will you help me with the sermon? This is Friday I said that. And then I said, Just do a little something. And then I said, Why don't you preach a whole point? And then it expanded onto Saturday. And uh, I brought them in. So, Connor and Logan, come on up. And uh, will you welcome our, my two boys, Connor and Logan? come on (laughs) look like you're excited to preach (laughs) Uh, this is logan he's our youngest and this is connor our oldest and for those of you who don't know and by the way he was just a day star we talked about his miraculous healing that was just incredible to share that with the whole world but i really did put these guys on the spot i'm so proud of them Logan's gonna go first, and then Connor. And uh, man, help them out as they're preaching. Lean in and give them enough amens not to be too distracting. But uh, uh, I pray that you'll get something from this. I'm gonna be over there smiling like crazy. Logan, it's all yours. Awesome. Thanks so much. If the um, if the sermon
1: is is bad, you can blame him. If it's good, Connor and I, you can give us. Uh, make sure that we're. You know, encouraging us in that, but uh, I'm honored that I get to be able to do this, and uh, I get to talk about uh, a first dad that we see in the New Testament, and sometimes we see that this can be all too familiar, and uh, his name is Zebedee, and uh, when I think of Zebedee, I I think of Buddy the Elf, like, ooh, that's fun to say, Zebedee. You know, I just, that was my my first thought when I read uh, Zebedee, Um, but we see him in Mark uh, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, Um, and I'm just going to read it right here. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, this is Jesus, walking, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in a boat, preparing their nets without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat when they hi- with the hired men and followed him and so really that 's the only account that we see of Zebedee Zebedee is right there he 's got a cool name, but he 's really just in a couple verses and what's funny about those verses is the verses are his sons are leaving Zebedee. And it's like, we get to hear about Zebedee and his sons are leaving him. But what I think, uh, was, was exciting about that is they didn't leave Zebedee because what their dad was doing was bad. They left Zebedee because what Jesus was doing amazing. And they said, there seems to be something that's going on with this Jesus guy. And I want to experience that. And so I'm going to walk away from this business and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm following this Jesus guy who seems to have something pretty amazing. And, um, You know, Zebedee, he was uh, a business person, and it says, you know, he was a leader of, you know, many fishermen. Simon Peter maybe worked for him. Um, He was a pretty well-known guy. But we see these people say, you know, these guys, James and John, say, I'm going to step away um, from this. And what I think is crazy is that James and John go on to make history. These people are with, with Jesus throughout the whole New Testament. They're following along. They're saying, I- I'm doing something crazy. I'm following Jesus. They get to be a part of miracles. They're a part of the 5,000. And John follows Jesus to the cross. And so their dad, he may have had an amazing business, but these two men made history. James, he was the first apostle that was martyred. And John gets the revelation from Jesus. And so I think that the two sons made out way better than they would have if they would have just stayed on the Sea of Galilee fishing the rest of their life. And I think there are a lot of people that get caught up in that where they say, you know what, I have a comfortable life. I have, you know, good things going for me. I maybe have a father who has a business, and I'm just going to stay a part of that. But what's even crazier is that the mother even follows Jesus. She's like, hey, Zebedee, uh, good luck with your business. But this Jesus guy seems like he's pretty cool. I'm going to follow him. Uh, I'll touch base uh, in a few years when we get back. Um, But if you don't know the story, um, she's the, the mom who asked Jesus, can my son sit at your right and your left? She's there with him at the cross saying, I'm following this Jesus guy. And so even if your wife walks away from you, maybe uh, it's time to leave the business aside and follow Jesus. Um, But his business was his life. Uh, sure, he was a hard worker. He was a strong leader, most likely was a wealthy man. Um, and he had to have had a pretty good reputation if they reference him so many times. Every time they mention James, they say, James, son of Zebedee. And John, you know, son of Zebedee. He had to have a good reputation uh, throughout Capernaum. But what had happened was he missed hearing from Jesus. He missed the miracles. He missed the cross because he had a business to run. And I think we should focus less on the profit and loss and focus more on the people who are lost. And I think that if we can be fathers, and we can be family members where we say, you know what, I'm gonna leave that aside and I'm gonna focus on the lost people and what Jesus is doing. And often we work six to seven days a week just to make a living or make a name for ourselves. What James and John knew is that they wanted to live for eternity. And I'm grateful that my dad uh, taught me how to live for eternity. He taught me to say, hey, it's not about your job. It's not about making money. It's about to live for eternity. And I think about some things um, that my dad did in my life and just wanna share them today about things that I saw him do that made me live for eternity. Um, and the first thing, was he showed me what he did. He showed me what he did. What does he do for work? Why does he do it? He was following on mission for God. And I had so many friends in school where I'd ask them, oh, what do your parents do for work? And they said, I don't really know. And how sad is that, that our kids don't even know what we do for work? Maybe it's something really inspiring. Maybe you're changing lives. Maybe you're employing people who are going to go out and giving them incomes and making a difference. But if they don't even know what we do, how sad is that? So I think it was cool to see. I know what my dad's doing. He's changing lives. He's making an impact. Um, And most children struggle to feel wanted. And it sure doesn't help when your father misses big moments in your life. And uh, my dad, he said, I'm going to make 60 to 70% of your sports games, your concerts, things, but I won't miss the big ones. And that was so important to me because he said, I have a calling. I have a passion, a purpose. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to promise that I'm going to make 100% of them, but I'm going to make 60 to 70% and I'm going to make the big ones. And that really stuck out to me. Um, and then when we were 13, my dad said, uh, I want to take you on a global team. And he gave us a map of the world and said, you can go to any country where we have a missionary partner. He said, anywhere you want to go. And so Connor chose Eswatini and I chose Argentina. And we have an amazing memory where we did that. And a side note on that, that having planned things like that at certain ages helps uh, combat favoritism you know you have certain kids maybe they feel like they're a favorite but if you say hey Every time you turn 10, we do something. Or every you know year when it's your birthday, you, you do something. And it helps to combat favoritism. And so there was no competition between Connor and I. Um, and then lastly, he always gave us something to look forward to. And I think he's talked about that before, but if you haven't heard it, he always gave us something to look forward to his kids. He said, every quarter I want you to have something because life is going to be busy and there's going to be things that happen that maybe you're, you, know, you feel ungrateful or you feel like, oh, the, the job is taking you away. But he gave us something to look forward to, and I think in a few weeks we're heading on our, annual fishing trip. And as a kid, it just was so encouraging to say, hey, dad might not be here today, but I know that we're going to go to grandma's house, or I know that we're going to go on the trip, or I know that we're going to go fishing. Um, And Proverbs has something to say about that. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I think for us, for as as kids, but as parents to say, I'm going to give kids maybe a longing. It's okay if we don't say promise every single day, every single moment, I'm going to be there, but to say, I'm going to make sure that I'm there for your big moments. I'm going to make sure that you have stuff to look forward to. And and I think that's encouraging for us. And I don't want us as fathers, I want to be a father someday. I don't want to be a father like Zebedee that says, Hey, I have a business to run. You guys go follow Jesus. You know, mom can go follow Jesus. I don't want us to be that. I don't want want to wish that. And I think that, you know, those would be times where we'd miss moments. And I don't want our kids to go out there and change the world and make history. And for us to be on the sidelines, just trying to make money or to make a name for ourselves. So I'd encourage all of us, let's not be a Zebedee. Let's live for Jesus. And Connor's going to talk about a dad who's a better example.
2: Oh, so great. Yes, we talked about a dad in Zebedee who missed it, but I want to talk about a dad who made it, who really made an impact. And this is a guy, his name is Jehonadab. I know you all probably thought, yeah, we're going to talk about Jehonadab today, right? Yeah, no, probably not. You didn't. You probably never heard of him. I hadn't heard of him before this time, but we're going to look at this guy. His name is Jehonadab, and he was a part of the tribe called the Rechabites. God used them and his family to show how obedient they were. And the example that this father, this man, Jehonadab uh, led, it was funny, God is having this interaction and he actually says to the Israelites, he's like, hey, Israelites, you are my people. Why can't you be more like the Rechabites? You know, maybe you have had a dad moment and you've been like, yo, why can't you be more like your sister? Or why can't you be more like your brother? I think this was the first example in the Bible that was that was there, uh, you know, again, maybe not the best way to do it. I'm not gonna say that as an example for you to follow, But God has this moment and he's saying, hey, be more like them. And in Jeremiah 35, we get this insight as to why this guy, uh, Jehonadab, was such a great father. It says this, Jeremiah 35, 5 through 10. It says, Then I set bowls a full of wine and some cups before the Rechabites and said to them, Drink some wine. But they replied, We do not drink wine, because our forefather Jehonadab, son of Rechab, gave us this command: Neither you nor your descendants must ever drink wine. Also, you must never build houses, sow seed, or plant vineyards. You must never have any of these things, but always live in tents. Then you will live a long time in the land where you are nomads. We have obeyed everything our forefather Je- Jehonadab son of Rechab commanded us, neither we nor our wives nor our sons and our daughters have ever drunk wine or built houses to live in or had vineyards, fields, or crops. We have lived in tents and have fully obeyed everything our forefather Jehonadab commanded us. So there's this whole tribe that is saying we have never done any of these things and we're not going to get hung up about the specific things that they were not supposed to do. But the point is, is that this guy Jehonadab made such an impact made such an impact, led such a life of example that generations were able to look to him and say, he is the reason why we are not doing these things. He is the reason why we are living this way. And they're able to be blessed. It goes on in uh, verses 18 and 19, where God favors and blesses the Rechabites because of their obedience to their father, Jehonadab. And I think there's this verse in Deuteronomy that this man, Jehonadab, he lived this out. It says in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. This is God talking to the people of Israel. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. See, God is saying you can't just talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. This guy, Jehonadab, he was a godly example. I'm sure there were moments where he was telling his kids and his grandkids, this is why we do this. This is why we don't do that. He didn't just say it, he actually lived it. And I know there's, we've all been guilty of this at times where we're challenged by our actions or maybe your kid is says, well, you said we're not supposed to do that and you're doing that. And we say, hey, you know what? Do as I say, not as I do, right? I mean, come on. We're, we're in church. We've done that before, okay? But here's the thing. There's a man, his name's Charles F. Kettering maybe a distant relative, they forgot the L, but Charles F. Kettering said this. He said, every father should remember that one day his son will follow his example and not his advice. That your children are looking to you fathers and they're not listening as much to what you say more as to what you're doing. If you are living a life that is an example, they are going to follow after that. And you might be leading them to great things, to become great children, or you might be leading them to be not great children. So look more to what we do and not what we say. And this was modeled in our life. Uh, my dad was a man uh, uh, that was consistent and a man of character. When he said it, he did it. He was not different in the different arenas that we interacted with him. He would come and he would preach on this stage and then we'd go home or go out to lunch and he was the exact same person. We never had to worry or wonder what mood is dad in today? What is he gonna be like? No, he was consistent. He was never drunk in front of us. He never swore in front of us. He never yelled at my mom in front of us. But what he did do is, like he already mentioned, he did hug her, he did kiss her. And when you're young, we're like, ew, that's gross, get away, right? You you know, you gotta embarrass your kids every once in a while. He, He made sure of that. But he did devotions with us. He prayed with us. Faith was so important and it wasn't just spoken, it was modeled. It was modeled to us. And I believe that's a huge reason why uh, Logan and I are actually in the family business. And we both love working here at River Valley Church. One thing that he did for us is uh, same when we were 13, we had a birthday party and he brought men, great men of character and men of God to speak into our lives. They shared with us lessons they've learned, things that they want us to be aware of or or be aware just to avoid and things like that. So he gave uh, opportunity for men to speak into our life and to shape us into who we are today. So the last thing I want to say is, fathers, be an example to your kids. Be like Jehonadab. Maybe you didn't have that modeled for you, but what's so encouraging is the blessings of God don't have an expiration date. Just because you're starting now doesn't mean they're going to stop, doesn't mean they're not going to reach your kids or your grandkids or your great-grandkids. So if you start today, if you pass on the blessing, you will be blessed and your kids will be blessed. So with that, I want to turn it over to my dad, Pastor Rob, at this time, is going to close it out.
0: I love you. I've got to focus on the rest of the sermon, but I am smiling like crazy on the inside. All right. Uh, so great word that they have. We don't want to be a, a Zebedee. We want to be a, a Jehonadab. We want to be that and, and be that type of father that passes it on. And I want to just focus on the last few minutes with the scripture in the New Testament that gives fathers clear instruction. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's right there in Ephesians. It's right there for dads. And it's speaking to us. And it's saying the first thing is negative. It says, don't exasperate them. Don't provoke them. Don't do the things that are showing that you're insensitive to them. Yes, you need to discipline them, but you need to have appropriate discipline because how many know if it's inappropriate discipline, it can provoke them to anger. Some of you say, I didn't have a a proper dad that he disciplined me or he beat me or did this. Uh, I I pray that your spouse, your wife will speak up or that a friend would speak up to you. I'll never forget when my dad was disciplining us, we could have gone down that road and provoked into anger. And we were little kids, me and my brother Rick got into trouble, and we were standing there, and he was a drill sergeant, and he goes, stand in at attention when I'm talking to you, and we were just terrified. And then it was so weird to see dad like that, we had to bite our cheeks to not laugh. And then he's like, you think this is funny? I will wipe that smile off. You know, we're dying on the inside. And my mom goes, time out, Bob, let's step outside, you know. And she took him out and she told him, like, hey, these are kids. They're, they're not in your military unit, all right? And he came back in and he got down on all fours and said, hey, let's talk about this. He didn't provoke us to anger The first thing that says there, don't provoke your children to anger. You can overprotect them, overregulate them, have favoritisms, tell them they're never good enough. These things provoke them to anger. You can be verbally abusive or physically abusive, and there's no place for physical abuse in the kingdom of God. These things provoke people to anger. It causes kids to grow up with resentment and hatred. And the Bible is very clear. Don't do those things. So it says, first of all, don't do the negative, and then it switches to the positive. It switches, and it said, instead, bring them up in the ways of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and in the instruction. And it means to talk about it and to share with them and to help shape their will and to get their, thing, their life to be aligned with this. It means more than just head knowledge. Go read your Bible. Go read a book. Memorize this. It's saying more than head knowledge, you want it to get into their life and be a lifestyle. It also has a present imperative in it, meaning that dads, you never stop doing this. You never stop doing this. Dads, you're still speaking into your kid's life. I mean, I I remember asking my mom and dad, like, when do you guys stop telling me what to do? And they said, never, you know? And they said, but guess what? We get smarter the older you get. How many know that's true? Your dad's way smarter the older you get. I mean, I thought, what do you know? And I'm like, I miss you. I wish I knew what you knew. I'll tell you what, it's something that you keep putting into them, and it's your job to teach. Dads, I'm speaking to you. It's your job to teach. It's your job to lead. You don't delegate that out. Albert Barnes said this, If a man doesn't teach his children truth, others will teach them error. It's up to us to teach them truth. It's up to, the word of God says it right there in Ephesians, New Testament, for us to do that. It implies like you're the captain of the ship and you're the captain of the ship, and you are making sure your kids get to the final port, and that's eternity with Jesus Christ. You are providing for them and taking care of them, and you are leading your family so they arrive to the port that really matters, not the job they land, not the soccer ball they kick, but the eternal port that is theirs, eternity. It's saying, get them there. Teach them. Spend the time with them. Don't be absent like Zebedee. Live it like we talked about, like Connor talked about. Don't provoke them and teach and train them. And I pray that your family will be blessed. I close with this thought. Dads, if you've blown it, repent. Repent. Repent before God and then apologize to your children. It will go a long way. And you could say from this day forward, I desire to be better. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to be better. Because I want to raise my children in the ways of the Lord. I want a legacy that outlasts me. And I want my kids to get to their final port, which is heaven, which is eternity. And if you've blown it, then you apologize. It will go a long, long way. You can change your family's legacy by leading them in the ways of the Lord. So God, I pray for dads right now that may have blown it, that they would know that you forgive them, you can move them forward. I pray that they would teach and train their children in the ways of the Lord. I just pray real quickly for anyone that says, I don't have a father in the home. May the church be the father to the fatherless because, God, you are. And may the church step in and help those people that don't have a father in the home. And God, for those of us doing our very best to raise our children in the ways of the Lord, help us to do this for your glory and honor so that generation after generation after generation can serve you because of the way we lived our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen.